0: Okay, so we're in a series called Room for More. This is the last weekend in it, and we're going to continue in Romans 12, but it'll be a new series out of Romans 12 in January. And a couple of weeks ago, I shared a story uh, that touched some of you here. I shared a story of a woman that doesn't go to our church. I don't think she's been here or to any church. As a matter of fact, she said when asked if she was open to faith... No one has invited me to church. Well, she hit a financial wall, um, was homeless through some organizations, found housing, found a job, but then lost the job, fell behind in her bills. And because of your generosity, you just give consistently as a community. With no one knowing it, we were able to help her and, and cover the rent and take care of some of her immediate bills. And she was grateful for that. But... I shared it two weeks ago. By the time this gathering was done, I had an email in my inbox from one of you saying, it's great that we helped as a church, but Christmas is coming. Is there anything else we could do to make her Christmas more special? And listing out, here, these are a couple of things. I'd like to do it. And I just, I, I love you. I thank God for you. Like, it's one thing to applaud. List is what we did. This person was saying, yeah, great, but can we do more? And that's what I love about this church and so many of you because, you get it. You've received and so you want to give. God's been gracious to you so you want to be gracious to other people. And so that's so fitting in light of what we're going to talk about this morning. The person that goes over the top to help, uh, the gift of mercy. And so every week we've been looking at Romans 12, 5-8 through 8, because Paul lists out seven things here. These aren't the only, but these are some of the ways that God shows himself to be true through us. When we choose to follow Jesus Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit. God comes to live and transform us, but also to do his work through us. So let's read it again Romans 12, verse 5, describing what church looks like. For just as each of us has one body with many members or parts, and these members or parts do not all have the same function, so in Jesus the Christ, we, though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Recap, church is the community of people, all of us, who have been connected to God and then connected to one another. Verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. We're going to look at this last line. But before we do, when it comes to all of the ways that God is God through us, what do we need to remember? The Holy Spirit is the. Thank you very much, two of you. I have epically failed. At this point, you should be going into a twitch. Because every week we're saying the same thing. The Holy Spirit is the gift. So it's not, it's not so much about look at what I can do. It's look who God is. And how he's showing his love through me. Because the Spirit is the gift. And because God's Holy Spirit, his presence comes, we should expect it to show up in different ways. This means a couple of things. Number one, it means everyone matters. You matter. So... When you come and never contribute to what God's doing, that is a problem. Because if God's Holy Spirit lives in you, that means he wants to show himself to other people in and through you. We need you. We need everyone doing their part. Second thing is there's no more important gift than the other. What we normally do is we evaluate, why are famous people famous? They're famous because you see them on a magazine, you see them on television. They're just normal people that can, whether it's act or sing. Or, what makes them famous is you see them. The challenge when we look at what God has done and gifts is you can get the false notion if someone's visible, they're more important to God. When in fact, look at the body. The most important part of your body you don't even see right now. Your brain causes everything to function. If we see your brain, we got a problem. The br- I don't see your brain, but it's what about your heart pumping blood all throughout your body? I don't see your heart. And matter of fact, when it comes to what God is doing, oftentimes, some of the most vital things are the things we don't see. Some of the most important people are the people we don't see. We're learning that to appreciate one another. Now, there are three kinds of gifts. this is just review because we're going to look at the last one, but it's super important. There are speaking gifts. So God works through people who communicate, whether that's prophecy or teaching or tongues or interpretation of tongues or knowledge. There are serving gifts, that is giving and mercy and hospitality and miracles and healing. And then there are leading gifts: administration and wisdom and such. And I just realized, th- the screens were working before, yes or no.. E-e-e-e-e. Yeah or no? Okay. Kaput. We've had technical difficulties all day long, so I was going to point to the blankness. Um, I'm not going to point. So write it down. All right. So there are different kinds. There's speaking, and there's there's uh, serving, and then there is leading. We're going to interact with each other in different ways, and so we should value one another and look actively for ways to do your part. If you have received Jesus Christ, you have something to contribute to all of us. So we need you. Let's look at the gift of mercy, though, because the gift of mercy is what ends the list. Look at the last three, and I said this last week. The last three gifts are the gift of giving. There are people who are motivated by God to contribute. The gift of leadership, there are people who are motivated by God to find resources and connect them to need. That's what the gift of leadership does. And then finally... If your gift is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. People who provide, people who guide and direct the work, and then people who actually get it done. So what's the gift of mercy? Write it down. The gift of mercy is people moved to help the sick and suffering. Moved to help the sick and the suffering. We're going to see it in the life of Jesus, and we're going to see it in the life of the church here this morning, and this may be some of you, like I've said each week, some of these are going to resonate personally, and you should like, oh, wow, then do it. Don't wait to know what your gift is, <laughs> just be you. Serve, love, share, and then eventually maybe someone will help you to put a name on it, but it's not so much what we call it, it's that we do our part. There are some of you who are hyper-motivated, and and it's not me motivating you, it's God himself, To help those that are sick and are suffering. It's not just those physically sick. Those that could be weak. Those who are in prison. Those who are elderly and need care. Those who are addicted. Those who are in trouble. They just resonate with you. And those are your people and that's where you fit. What does it look like? I think of people in our church. uh, She was here in the last gathering. Kathy. Kathy Dennis. Uh, We went to Uganda together. And it it was a powerful experience for her. Just watching God at work there. But what touched her the most were the women in prison when we were in Uganda. Well, she had done prison work beforehand, but since going years ago, she made it her goal to come back. She got the training, and she works within the county, and she goes and spends time every week. I'm on a text, little little text message. train. It says, uh, jail day, please pray, you know, with a little praying hands thing. And it's on Tuesdays, and whenever she goes out, she has a group of people. She texts to say, pray, Why? Because she realizes there are women who are created in the image of God, loved by God. There are women who, who aren't able to come out, but who are looking for someone to come in. Uh, yeah, they had a challenge, and they find themselves incarcerated right now. But she sees them as valuable and lovable and not second-class citizens, but worthy of time and attention. And uh, I just love the fact that she does it without anyone knowing about it, well, until today, I just jacked that up. But but uh, she she's that kind of person, and that may be you. You feel like there's a group of people that are sick or suffering or in need, and I need to be there. That's the gift of mercy. I think of Tom Eubanks. He was here earlier this morning as well. Tom is a retired firefighter, and whenever there is a need, he's the first person to say with a big smile, I can do it. So these little triangle, beautiful, ornamental things on the communion tables, uh, he made those. Why? Because someone had a drawing. He's like, I can do that, you know. I can't. And you think it's easy, but it's not. And 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 so he just created when we've done a lot of renovative work, he's the first person to say, I, I'll do it. But more than that, he's he's eager to help people. He was a firefighter for many years. And you think you wouldn't want to do that afterwards, but, f- but he's volunteered as a chaplain and to be there and for those in crisis. So for years to be the person helping with the injury or the accident. But now he's been serving people to be there for the family. Wow. Motivated by mercy. There's homelessness in our area. I know you're all aware of it. So there's the shelter at Arenco Station, SOS, that's run by a beautiful church down the street, uh, Sunrise, that we partner with. And we don't run it, but they organize it. We contribute towards it. And so he's heard about that, and he was helping once a month, and now he's there once a week. He could be at home. Again, he's worked his job, raised his family. You know, he doesn't have to be there. But once a week, he's there and spends overnight. Why? Because there may be some men and women, some families that come in, and they need some food, and they need care, and, and they need love. And so Tom wants to be there, and he's serving. That's, that's motivated by mercy. Deanie, our finance director here, her and her husband, Luke, last year they were at the SOS shelter it just volunteer-led, and they were there once a month, and she was just saying in passing, and yeah, we just want to serve once a week, motivated by mercy. It's a beautiful thing. Some of you are like, no way. It's okay if this particular dimension of God doesn't hit you as the way to, to love people, but we need to recognize that there are people who just want to be there. Do you know, we're we're... Serving with mercy together. You just may be, someone says, well, I come and I, I give to God's work. Together, we're helping families every month. There are families in need in our church. And because you give regularly, we pull some of it aside. And so when someone hits a wall for whatever reason, we have enough to share, right? So we're, we're doing that. that. that's Mercy says I'm going to take away some of the funds and put them and set them aside because someone may need them. Later, together, we're helping refugees who come to the Portland area and helping them find a place to, to, to live and just figure out what it means to live in the USA. That's just, that's just love, and that's just mercy. This morning, uh, New uh, is the spokesperson for an organization called Remember New. We'll be having her share her testimony in the coming year of where she was, and uh, but she happened to be sold into the sex trade as a child. And we are working with organizations that are trying to stop that heinous evil in Jesus' name. And remember, new goes into towns and villages where there are children who are about to be sold off and helps find a safe place for those kids to get pulled out and get an education and hear about the love of Jesus. That's mercy. See, mercy has all sorts of expressions. And so even if this is not your primary gift and calling, because you're a part of the body, you are expressing mercy. Now, what's the word to those? If this is you, what's the word to you? Or this is us and someone in your group, someone you know, has the gift of mercy. What what do they need to be reminded of? Look at the word of Paul to the church. If it's to show mercy, do it what? Cheerfully. In other words, those working with people in deep need... It could be exhausting. Anyone involved in counseling work as a profession, you know you have to be very careful about your own soul. Because when you give yourself over to the love and care of others, what's the challenge? Those with the gift of mercy do it cheerfully. You could get depleted. Your soul could be so tapped that you don't have any resource left to give. But here's here's the challenge. If you're motivated this way, you're going to do it anyway. You're going to keep helping people even though it's grinding you and even though it's hurting you. Some of you are nodding right now because you know it too. You're motivated to do it anyway. The word is do it cheerfully. This is where others, we could be of help. If you know someone motivated by mercy, check in and see how they're doing. Remind them it's okay to say no. It's okay to have a day off yourself. It's okay to not give everything away. Because those compelled by God are going to give themselves over. Those with the gift of mercy aren't to do it with a cynical heart. They're to be cheerful and joyful. And so this is why we're a body. Because we can help each other. Cheerful could be translated, do it with radiant with joy. Those who are to serve should do it with joy. Paul uses this word one other time and he relates it to giving. Second Corinthians, write it down. Second Corinthians 9 verse 7. Oh, screens. Wow. Verses appear. The gift of technology. If you have it, use it. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a what? A cheerful giver. It's not just about the action. God's concerned about the attitude. So God wants your heart to be right and to do it for the right reason. The gift of mercy. As a reminder, all of these expressions are just follow-ups of who Jesus is. It's a part of Jesus' character. So Jesus tells us to go into all the world and make followers of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching everyone to obey everything I've commanded. And then Jesus says what at the end of Matthew 28, I will be with you forever. How is Jesus with us forever? He gives us His Holy Spirit so that we can be God's people the way we're fit. So what am I saying? Jesus is empowered by mercy and motivated by mercy. And so we're to live in the way of Jesus, whether it's our natural inclination or not. Matthew 20 is an example. Jesus is walking from a massive gathering he's been teaching. Everyone loves him. The crowds are following. And his closest followers are by him. And look at this interesting encounter. We're going to look at, at mercy. Mercy. It says, two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. They knew that Jesus was a healer. So two guys are blind. They call out to Jesus for healing. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus, and underline this, want to look at mercy. Jesus stopped. That's mercy. Now, you know, I I am not, uh, that's not my primary motivation. So if there's anything I need to repent of, it's just walking by and continuing to go. That's just because, but others were like, whoa, Jesus stops. And he called them, what do you want me to do for you? That's mercy, right? How can I help you? And he said, Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them, and he touched their eyes. He could have spoken healing, but he touches them. And what a beautiful picture. God himself, in our suffering, comes and he touched their eyes. Everyone else is more like me. Shh, shut up. Too busy. Jesus is important. He has to keep going. And And Jesus is the one who stops, asks, and touches. Now, they received their sight and they followed him. This is what's hugely important. We need to remember that when we live as God intended, it has all sorts of ongoing results. So the two two guys, they received their sight. and That's fantastic. Wow, that's a miracle. But I think the greatest aspect is the final line. They received their sight and they followed Jesus. You see, when you live out, Jesus' way, and you touch, and you love, and you care. I think those in the medical profession, especially those like in nursing, and who are doing the nitty-gritty work, some would say all of it, that's another story for another day, but like the nitty-gritty work of being there, and who work hard and go to school to learn how all of this works, so that when we're a, a wreck and things are out of alignment, there is a nurse, there's a doctor, there is an EMT, there's a first responder, that's that's mercy. Now maybe their job and then maybe their career, but at the heart, to be there for others in need, like to go to work. When I go to work, I'm not wondering if someone's going to potentially die. In my in my care, but those who 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 invest in themselves and take student loans to learn how to help someone else. My goodness, that's the gift of mercy, and we ought to honor it. And thank God. See, Jesus is moved with compassion, and compassion leads people to stop. And when we stop, God touches people, and they're made whole. So thank God for all of you. Jesus tells another story because people wanted to know what the most important thing to do was in religious life. So Jesus was peppered with questions all the time. And one time Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? Which is a trick question because there's a lot of Bible, and they want to know what's the most important part of the Bible. And how does Jesus respond? He responds with a story. It's So beautiful. You want to love God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength. And the greatest thing to Jesus is to love your neighbor as yourself, right? So who's my neighbor? The guy asks. And look at how Jesus responds in Luke 10 with a a narrative, a story. He says, when he saw them, he took pity on them. I didn't start with the beginning of the story. There's three. Guys, one is a priest, and he sees someone who is beaten and broken down, robbed, left for dead. The priest on his way to the temple goes by and doesn't stop. And Jesus is, in effect, saying, wow, here's a religious guy with a religious job who doesn't see a need and stop. But there's a second guy, he's a Levite. He's kind of an assistant. He works at the temple, or we could say he works for the church He's a good, upstanding person. And he goes by, looks over, doesn't stop. The guy is bleeding and dying. Jesus is saying, what does love look like? What does it mean to love God? And what does it mean to love people? He says about the third person, he saw him and he took pity on him. Verse 34, he went in and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'm going to reimburse you all the extra expenses that you may have. And then Jesus asks the very loaded question. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had Mercy on him, so Jesus says, go and do likewise. To really love God is to be motivated by mercy, which reminds us. The guy in the story does it out of the right motivation. He gives his money, his oil, his wine, to to care for his wounds, to bandage him up. He gives his car. He goes and gives his bank account. He takes money out, no ATM, but somewhere hidden, somewhere on his animal is his little... Savings account. And he pulls it out and he gives it to the innkeeper and says, as long as he needs help, I'm here. I'm going to circle back. If this isn't enough, I trust you. Keep caring for him. I will pay the bill. Nowhere in the story does he ask for anything. Mercy says you matter. Mercy says you're important. Mercy says God loves you and therefore I want to extend God's love in my small way and i'm not looking for anything in return why is this so important catch this god is full of mercy the reason all of these gifts or expressions are valuable is because they reflect god we if we say we follow god want to act and look like him and we have to remember especially in our cynical world it's terrible to be a public anything today Because you could do 99% good if you say one wrong thing, one wrong way, you get exploded on Twitter. Now I'm I'm not justifying wrong behavior, but I'm saying no matter what you do with your life, you mess up once and people are quick to pounce. Wouldn't it be great if people were quick to talk about all the good that's happening in and through your life, but we're cynical as a culture and we're cynical by nature. But God's not. <laughs> you just need to know that God's full of mercy, and God knows the whole of your story, and He knows the whole of my story. He knows every nitty gritty detail. Encouraging word: You are exposed before God. You are not hiding a thing. You're not. You're not tricking Him. It's like the two-year-old who's just eating chocolate chip cookies, smushed all over their face. Did you have anything to eat? No. You, you sure you didn't have something to eat? No. We're all exposed. But God is a God of mercy. By the way, you're still breathing. That's mercy. By the way, you haven't gotten everything you deserve. Now we think we deserve a lot of good, right? But all the things that we think about, what we've done, what we thought, how we've acted, how we've ignored God. We're not as good as we think we are, apart from Jesus. And God has not responded in the way that he ought to. He's not given us judgment with the severity that we deserve it. And my friends, that's love. It's not that God doesn't see it. It's that God responds to us with mercy and grace and forgiveness if we're open to it. So this morning, let me just ask you, in what ways have you experienced God's mercy? A lot of the times, uh, those who are motivated to serve, it's often, not always, it's in the way that they have been served. Those with gifts of generosity, at some point in their world, they experience grace. Someone was generous towards them. And then it motivates them. Those with the gift of encouragement, they know what it's like to be encouraged. So when it comes to the love languages, you, o- you oftentimes demonstrate love in a way that it's, it's a fact. And those outside of the Bible or outside the church have picked it up. Those who have received often respond in that kind of way. Not always. So how has God been merciful to you? If you want to grow in this area, what we need to grow is in remembering God's mercy towards us is huge. Think of Christmas. The world is ignoring God and people are not looking for His coming. And Jesus shows up in an obscure town in Bethlehem and nobody knows it. And the world is partying on and God appears. He's full of mercy. Who gets a a view of what God is like first? It's the shepherds in the field, the nobodies. Like they're low, low, low class workers. And they're looking to God and God appears to them. That's, That's mercy. That's mercy. You See, God doesn't treat us in the way that we deserve. And by the way, if you don't feel like God's been merciful, that is the entire story of Jesus. Jesus, even though we are still rebellious and sinning, he comes and he lives and he dies... He does it to bring us back to God so that at the right moment, you and I, when we're exposed to our own rebellion, will turn from it, repent, and cling to Jesus and say, Jesus, I've got nothing, but I need you. And that's mercy. You see, God's not looking for ways to get rid of us. He's looking for ways to draw us close. He's a merciful God. Therefore, we ought to be a people who grow. And mercy. Now again, for some of you, you're already oozing it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you that you're models of what it means to live like Jesus. But for the rest of us, we can be merciful because God has shown us mercy in Jesus. If you don't believe me, look at one person's story. We we talked about people in our church like Tom and, and like others who are, are living out mercy and expressing it to people. But This letter we've been studying is called Romans, and it's written by a guy named Paul. He writes a bunch of letters. One he writes to a young leader named Timothy, and I want you to see a little bit of what compelled him. Why why would Paul risk his life literally to get this good news of Jesus to people often who responded by saying no? Why would he endure being shipwrecked for Jesus? Why would he endure people physically torturing him, physically torturing him, Because he wanted to tell people that Jesus loves him. Why? Because he saw God's mercy in his own world. Let's get a window into his soul. 1 Timothy 1, verse 12. He's saying it to this young leader. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength. That he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though, and look at how he sees himself. Even though I was once a blasphemer. There was a time where Paul said, Jesus is not the Messiah. Jesus is not God come to save. As a matter of fact, Paul was the one who put people in prison for saying such things. And I was a persecutor. He put people in prison. He was religiously zealous and a violent man. It's funny. He said he loved God, but he would beat people up because they didn't agree with him. Which I find to be quite interesting Jesus is the expression of God's love. Jesus comes, not to point the finger, but to point the way back to the Father. And here is Paul saying he knows God and beating people up. Which seems ironic, but he was blind. Why do I know it? He says, even though I was a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. There was a time where Paul thought he was right and he was wrong. And can I just remind you what I already know to be true in my own soul? There are some things that I think are right, and it turns out years later I find out I was wrong. And when Paul, when it comes to Jesus, he was absolutely wrong. But he says, I was ignorant and I didn't believe. But the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, listen, was poured out on me. If you read the Bible, you read Paul's story. Jesus appeared to him and said, Paul, Paul, why are you, or Saul, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? Who are my, Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus. And it's in that encounter when he realized Jesus is the Son of God, perfect in every way, born, died, rose again to give us eternal life and his, he had a total switch 180 degrees. and now Paul becomes this advocate of mercy. see, I was I received mercy. It was poured out on me ab- abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. So Paul goes from anti-Jesus to Jesus' advocate. He was convinced, he was passionate, he was wrong. But when his eyes were open, he lived for the good of other people. And so Paul is an advocate to share the good news because he received it himself. And so oftentimes those motivated by mercy, they've received it. Um, Looking at his own story, continue, verse 15. Here's a trustworthy saying, that deserves full acceptance in in terms of his own life and what's true. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the worst. See, even though in his day Paul is seen as a, a superhero, a model, a leader, an apostle, a teacher, a man of God. How does he see himself? He says, I was the worst. But for that reason, I was shown mercy So that in me, the worst of sinners. Now he's already a Jesus follower. And so he sees himself for what's really true. Look at what I was. But because of Jesus, look at who I am. Christ Jesus might display his immense patience. That's mercy. God is patient with Paul and God is patient with us. As an example for those who would believe in him and receive mercy. Eternal life because God is full of mercy. Now we're called to be a people who extend because God is patient. We're called to be patient. Those with the gift of leadership, this is a struggle, right? Because it needs to happen now. But those with the gift of mercy are a reminder to everyone in the church of the great patience of God. Just think about your own life. What if God stopped doling out patience and mercy to you? Where would you be? Well, in response, we're to be a people of mercy because God is mercy, we are called to live out mercy. And by the way, you're already doing it. Now, This is not like a, man, I wish you would be nice, people. And by the way, mercy is more than just being nice and kind. It's an overflow of the grace of God in your life. And when you give it away, it's because God has given it to you first. 150 children, in terms of our community, 150 children right now are able to go to school and have their fees paid able to have a, a uniform that's clean a pair of shoes medical care when they need it two meals a day because 150 people in this church one year ago said I'll sponsor a child that's mercy you already have your own children your own family your own needs your own wants your own desires but but every month and my wife and I we're one of them we have two of the 150 that we've chosen to sponsor and every month, it's taken right out of my bank account. I don't even think about it. But um, that funds go to help real people, real kids who who need a chance. And they're living in northern Uganda where right now, their mom and dad, many of them don't have mom and dad. Or if they do, they have, whether it's AIDS or other issue, or just economically, they've never learned and grown, and they can't provide for their kids' school fees, so out of mercy you say, man, uh, every month I'm going to give this amount because it's going to help. Now I'm here to, to remind you, those who give, do it cheerfully. Don't forget. It's easy to forget, especially if it comes out of your account. You don't even think about it. Those are real children, real lives, real leaders in the making, and you're having mercy. And so thank God. That's just one example. Foster care, one of the greatest needs in our area, in our part of the world, are homes for kids that are in a tough family situation. And for whatever reason, mom and dad can't have them in their home. Most of the moms and dads want to have their kids in their home, but they can't. And so many of you in this community have given your time and your energy and your love and your house and your resources to invite a a child in your house. Some that have led to adoption. It's just, these are examples, not the only ones, right, of, of mercy. It's because Jesus has been merciful to us. I think of Ryan and Cheryl Wardell. Uh, Cheryl is a firecracker. She is like always, she's full of energy all the time. And she has a love for Uganda. She's a school teacher here and now works for the Beaverton School District. And she's impacted thousands of young people in her career as an educator. But she's got a heart, a real soft spot for young men in particular, young ladies, who, but young men who don't have a dad. To to mentor them. And so every time she's gone to Uganda, she finds another young person, 16, 17, 18, who didn't have the influence of a mom and dad, just giving them practical instruction, encouragement, and and good advice, sometimes a little slap in the face, you know, proverbially to say, that's just dumb and you shouldn't do it. And and Cheryl and Ryan just have a heart and and they do it in quiet. They went on vacation to Uganda, partly to spend time with these kids that aren't their own. I remember saying when she got there Ryan was like can we adopt him and like well no he's like almost 18 that it would be impractical but their heart just goes now why would Cheryl feel that way well if you know her story she was adopted as a child so she didn't for whatever reason her mom and dad didn't raise her but a couple took her in and raised her up and provided so now motivated by the mercy she's received she's an educator and She's here every Wednesday night with our young people. And she's the person that gives and gives and gives and is never looking for a thing. As a matter of fact, she's probably mad she was here at the first gathering. I don't warn her because she would say, don't say it, don't say it. Because her heart just lives for people. Mercy. Now I just want to say as a church, I'm just so proud of you because these are just, I could go on all day and brag but it seems self-serving, so I'll stop. But you're the kind of people that, don't just want to talk about loving Jesus, but actually live to love others in Jesus' name. So what's the word for us in the coming year? There's room for more. There's room for more. We are merciful, but we can grow. We we are leading, but we can grow. We are encouraging, we are teaching, but we can go. We are experiencing prophecy, but we can grow. All of these things are simply outgrowths of the presence of God when we're together. So in the coming year, there's room for more. Remember this, because this is the last talk on giftedness, It's less about gifts, and it's more about how God shows His love through you and me. So if you feel like, well, I don't have any, or mine aren't stellar, forget about the title. It's about God. And let's just remind ourselves in the coming year that God is gracious enough to love you, and He's loving enough to demonstrate His care through you. So in what ways are you going to grow in the coming year? Paul, at the end of this little line, after he says, I was the worst of sinners, but God was patient with me, showing me mercy and kindness. At the, in the middle of his letter, he stops with this little phrase, verse 17 of 1 Timothy 1. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. He's in the middle of a letter. But he can't help when he thinks about his own soul and God's love and care for him. He says, no, no. Timothy, now mind you, Paul is the one of the eminent leaders in the church. He's the top of the top. But he's not saying, Timothy, be like me. Be incredible. No, he's like to the king. Eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God. Be honor and glory. So as we grow in gifts and in serving, it should never be about who we are. It should always go back to how great God has been towards us. In the coming year, let's invite God to be God in and through us. And in that other people will experience life in Jesus. Amen. Well, why don't you stand on your feet. We want to respond and worship. Whenever we hear something that's true, it's not enough to hear it. We want to begin to do it. And so as we think about what it means to be a Jesus follower... And as we go back to worship, and we're going to do it by singing. We're going to do it by coming to the table, picking up the bread and the cup in a little bit. Let me ask you the question I asked in the middle. In what ways has God been merciful to you? Worship is the right response when you realize that God's been caring. And so let's think about that one thing this week. Where did you experience God's love and care, God's concern? Let's think about that, and let's put our attention back to Him praise because he's worth it. Lord, we thank you that you've been kind enough and loving enough to demonstrate your goodness by giving us your son, Jesus. And so now, we want to be a people that talk about you and sing to you and not just talk and sing but actually do things in your name for the good of the people that you put us in front of. Lord, we pray that mercy would continue to flow and that there will be people far from you who would experience life in you because they see it in and through us, we pray in Jesus' name.